super duper Stasius. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> whatever. I don't need that super many letters. Super duper whatever. Uh, yeah, we could. Have, well, I haven't finished mine even close yet, but we could. We could just start chugging every beer we own. Just chug now. Chug a bug. Yep. Oh yeah. We welcome, should, welcome uh, to super we superstitious. <laughs> yeah, what he said. The paranormal podcast, <laughs> where we bring a sciency angle to the strange and the paranormal. For some reason, I thought you were going to try and ry- uh, rhyme that, which I was curious. Like, bring a sciency angle to the dark and the dangle. <laughs> That's really the only word I could think of. So Dangle? Yeah. 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 Wrangle? Yeah. Spangle? This show got really good all Angle. of a sudden. <laughs> uh, so. I'm Jake. I'm Wyatt. We're sorry. Please don't turn off your, don't throw your phone out the window. Right <laughs> yeah. Um, we're back with another episode, which we promise will get better. Hopefully. Oh, I have an update. Oh, you have an update? I do. Oh. Do you have updates this week? Uh, No, I'm going to keep putting them off until I feel like it. All right, mine is that they're apparently the. Did you hear about the Indian Army today? Oh, I I did hear about it, but I haven't read about it. So, which, which is to say, I saw the headline but <laughs> did not read the article. I mean, the headline's about as good as the article at this point. Okay, there. If, if listeners don't know, we're recording this towards the end of April and of 2019. The very last day of April, the 31st, and yeah, <laughs> uh, the. News recently reported, or news outlets have reported that the Indian Army, a bracket of the Indian Army, reported finding Yeti footprints in the Himalayas. In the Himalayas, with little to back it up, but they are really it's, leaning it's, in. It's, yeah, it said that it happened. And um, <laughs> people, of course, are eating it up. Yes. Um, and others are freaking out and going really skeptical, myself included, if I'm honest. <laughs> Which also, I guess it's kind of related to the beer you just finished, which I still have some work to do on. Um, as promised a couple of weeks ago, I was going to look for the Rogue Brewing uh, Batsquatch beer, and I did find it. It's a hazy IPA, and uh, we are enjoying it. It's quite good. It's quite good. Yeah, so our theme this week, I th- I'm going to ask you to tell me the theme, yeah. because I give you some options that, would, options that would kind of encompass... The topic I already chose for myself, so <laughs> yes. depending on which of the two options you went with, we could have very different uh, episodes today. This week, we're talking about spooky, sort of maybe bugs, arthropods. Awesome. Slash. In between those two words, and uh, yeah, because I don't know if I should tell, because I think I'm going first today. You are. And so, can I spoil what your topic is, or would you like to do some kind of reveal? Uh, I mean, I do have like a cold open to mine, but it's not doesn't last that long, and it's not a huge deal. So go ahead or try it, and then if I don't like it, we'll do it over and we'll cut that part. Well, good. Then I figured since you'll be doing rods, I'll do the next closest shape, and that is an arthropod, which is spiders. <laughs> 
Spider shape, awesome. Uh, giant spider specifically, a thing that needs no help in creeping most people out, but is now gigantic. So it's easy math to do, to do that. <laughs> there you go. That's my topic. <laughs> is that the, the whole thing? The okay, yeah. <laughs> just think about that for the next just, twenty minutes. Yeah, imagine a giant Hold spider. It in your mind. And that's all I got today. It's eighteen nineties. British missionary Arthur John Symes and his men are exploring, quote-unquote, Africa, like British people did back mm-hmm. at that time. They're near Lake Malawi in Mozambique, um, which is basically in the southeasternish portion of the continent. Uh, Symes' men get themselves tangled, uh, ensnared, in what they would later describe as an enormous web. The story goes that two giant spiders with leg spans approaching four feet in diameter oh. emerged and attacked the men. Symes was apparently bitten in the ensuing struggle, but managed to escape after shooting one of the beasts with his pistol. He subsequently developed symptoms, including a deathly pallor, severe chills, swelling around the area where he was bitten. Can you guess where? His butt? Yes. That's exactly where he was bitten. <laughs> his butt. <laughs> he got bitten in the butt. Um, and became delirious before falling unconscious and dying. So, you know. Oh, geez, okay. <laughs> late 1800s maladies. I thought it was going to be a deal where he just, like, came back and claimed all these things had happened to him, and but he got better. But no, nope. he just died. Okay, Jesus. So the story goes. Okay. The, oh, man. Jebafofi, I think. Jebafofi? This is the name of the creature? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. This is, <laughs> I don't know what, I, I imagine it's going to come up more than once, then. <laughs> Let me uh, try it one more time. Okay. This is about to be preternaturally challenging. <laughs> the Jebafofi, the Congolese giant spider, mm. is a cryptid arachnid believed by some to inhabit the forests of the Congo because, of course, it is. <laughs> Anecdotal tales of the Baka tribes people in that area describe these spiders as digging a shallow tunnel under tree roots and camouflaging the passageway with a large screen of leaves. Then they create an almost invisible web between their burrow and a nearby tree. And they create a diversion. (laughs) Stringing the whole area with a network of trip lines. So any creatures that wander by, trip a line, and are grabbed and dragged into the burrow. This is all very much like the predatory behavior of trapdoor spiders, Mm -hmm. which are a real thing, and occur all around the planet, and occur as well in Mozambique. So, so could just be drawing on local fauna. Yeah. Purportedly, the Jebafofi eggs are a pale yellow-white and shaped like peanuts. Hatchlings are supposedly bright yellow with a purple abdomen, though this coloration becomes darker and more brown as they mature. Uh, local tales hold that this spider was once very common, but has become very rare over time hmm. because of encroachment. Mm. So, spiders. Jake, do you have any good personal spider stories? Um, I'm trying to think how many spiders have been in my pants. At least two. And luckily, I, I mean, my sister has a pretty terrible phobia of them. Hi, Kayla. Episode 45, Spirited Company. No spiders are in that. It's just Kayla, isn't it? Um Always been ter- yeah, Kale has been terrified of spiders. I have not. I used to have uh, what I would call pet spiders when I was like really little, which would I be like this. a deal on. where I, uh, and ants sometimes too, pet ants, which would be- Would you tie a little tiny string around them and walk them around? Nope. I would uh, I would find a spider in the yard and I would pick it up and let it crawl around on me and stuff like, oh yeah, this is fun. And then I let it go where it was and then weeks would pass and I'd walk by and see 
a spider in a similar part of the yard. I'm like, oh, there, it's my pet spider again. And I pick it up <laughs> and play with it some more and put it back down. And was always convinced that this, or the ant, whatever it was, was the same one. And That's they remembered me sweet. and liked me. <laughs> That's very cute. I had a very similar childhood. These were unrelated to the spiders in my pants. Those were incidental things that crawled up and kind of freaked me out. But Good Lord. Yeah. How frightening. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I wanted to clarify. I, I, I led in with spiders in my pants. And like, oh, I liked spiders. Let them crawl. Like, no, no. Yeah, there was a scenario was- there where uh, if you did the math, I guess, you go from playing with them in the yard to now walking them, if you will. <laughs> Very close to the body. <laughs> Pants style. Um, yeah, I also played with spiders when I was a kid. Ah. Uh, bare hands, let them crawl over me when I was in the yard. We're unpleasant is what we're getting Very at. fucking weird kids. <laughs> um, I had no fear. I was just interested in them, and I guess they sensed my <laughs> innocent interest <laughs> and never bit me. <laughs> but yeah, I also kept them very well fed because it was fascinating to watch them munch on bugs. Oh. And I would also have ant sort of skirmishes where I would challenge a nest by forcing other bugs to go down into the tunnel. And um, yeah, I was a nasty little kid in that regard, I guess. But it was just coming from a place of like, well, what will they do? So did you like cram bugs into the ant hill? Small animals. (laughs) (laughs) Your cats. Kids who were slightly shorter than me. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, just little... Little bugs, like. But did you like coax them to go down, or did you like poke them into the hole, or? Uh, it varied. Yeah. Okay. But just to see what would happen, pretty much. You are, are you a serial killer, Wyatt? <laughs> I hope not. Okay. Well, you if you're hope not. if you're talking about breakfast, then call the police. <sighs> I'm gonna finish my beer. So anyway, one early account by Westerners <sighs> relates the terrifying experience of an English couple traveling through the region on some kind of colonizer mine safari holiday thing. <laughs> R.K. Lloyd and his wife were motoring in the Belgium Congo in 1938 when they saw a large object crossing the trail in front of them. Oh. It was a UFO. Uh, at first, say. they thought it was a cat or monkey, but they soon realized it was a spider. You With- know, those three things that often look alike when you see mm-hmm. them in passing. They're the closest three looking creatures that are not the same. It's a cat. It's a monkey. It's It's a a spider. spider. (laughs) Legs were nearly three feet in size. Naturalist and cryptozoologist. uh, (laughs) Each leg is three (laughs) feet in diameter, but the body's only a foot long or something. (laughs) Um, Naturalist and cryptozoologist William J. Gibbons, who has spent some embarrassing measure of time hunting for the alleged African dinosaur. Mukele Mbembe, ah. which I covered back in episode 28, mm-hmm. uh, asked the Baka about giant spiders on his third stupid expedition <laughs> in search of Mbembe and shared his experience with readers upon his return to Canada. Quote, on this third expedition to equatorial Africa, I took the op- opportunity to inquire if the indigenous peoples knew of such a giant spider. And indeed they did. He refers to them as pygmies, but I'm just not going to say that word until mm. just now. They speak of the uh, Jebafofi, which is a, quote, giant or j- a great spider. Um, they described a spider that is generally brown in color with a purple mark on the abdomen. He sort of redescribes what is now the standard definition of this creature. Um, these giant ground-dwelling spiders prey on the diminutive uh, forest antelope, birds, and other small game, and are said to be extremely dangerous, not to mention highly venomous. They are given a wide berth when encountered, but um, though they have been killed in the past, uh, they were once very common but are now a rare sight. So, 
in March 2013, a video surfaced on YouTube of an alleged Jebafofi oh. uh, caught on night vision camera near a water hole next to a tree purportedly in Mozambique. I'll Dang. show you the video now. Make big. And bigify, I think you mean to say. <laughs> and bigify, yes. We're so, scientists here. The, right, we're looking at the water hole. Yeah, describe it. You see nothing. <laughs> no, what's Why the what's the what's the there's you know there's a kind of general the scene. Yeah, there's a, a little pond looking situation. There's a tree on the right hand side. It's all heavily illuminated by some uh, infrared lamp of some kind that is just flooding the whole area. Everything is quiet and still. I still don't see anything happening. Where which side is it going to come from? Wyatt? over there. It'll be oh. over there. Okay, oh, the there back. It goes. Oh, oh, oh. Something's coming on the right-hand side, and it walked over and is doing something by the water. Oh, get it and walks off. Okay. That was very hard to see, like, what it was, but something walked in over the shadows behind the tree in the foreground. So My favorite part is where you see whatever it is get clipped back out of the video. <laughs> <laughs> what? So, basically, for listeners, as Jake described... This thing sort of seems to crawl in out of the darkness, and then it crawls away. But as it crawls away, you will notice at basically second 48 clip, there's a little clip moment. Here you go. Watch. Huh. Interesting. And it's hard to say. I mean, with night vision stuff, sometimes the um, something that's that far in the dark, you're only getting a couple of pixels of actually illuminated surface, so it may just be... Hmm. And also sometimes with, depending on the camera, it can also be, I don't know if it's a game camera or what it is, sometimes they don't have the best continuous frame rate sort of situation. It can True. be like rough um, CCTV kind of quality, but it also could be fucked with. Who knows? For my eye, it seems like some hot bullshit. Yeah. If I'm honest. Yeah. It didn't look spider shaped to me at all, so that's why I just think, oh, it's just something. But It looked vaguely creepy crawly. Okay. Um, it seems to do a sort of skitter like you would see in a spider or a crab. Yeah. But that appearance and disappearance and the fact that there's really no information that is clearly associated with the video either. Mm -hmm. It was just sort of like, look, I caught it on camera. Yeah. I was pointing a camera at this pond. Yeah. And it says Mozambique. I don't know that the flora or in the That's the other really thing. looks all that Mozambique. There's nothing there to say this is anywhere in the world. <laughs> yes. It's just a, a pond with trees. There's a spruce trees. tree. There's like a tire swing over <laughs> on one side. There's a farmhouse <laughs> in the uh, image. Yeah, so all those things together really. I think the Eiffel Tower is in the background and also um, exactly St. Basil's Cathedral somehow. Anyway. It seems, yeah, not real. It's bullshit. <laughs> <clears throat> so, like we discussed recently, short of a novel physiology it's effectively impossible for a spider to get as large as suggested by these tails. Yes. Again, thanks to having bones on the outside and using a tracheal system to get oxygen throughout their bodies. Mm hmm So, what might account for giant spider sightings here or elsewhere around the planet? We're talking, like, dog-sized spiders. People well, are freaked out by spiders. People are very freaked out, and it's the kind of thing that the brain may want to see when it's not actually a spider. Specifically... One possible culprit is the coconut crab. Ooh. Burgus latro. Coconut crabs are the largest terrestrial arthropods in the world and regularly grow to a meter across. 
the same dimensions as have been reported for Jebafofi. Hmm. Though almost entirely terrestrial coconut crabs are typically coastal in nature, they're essentially oversized hermit crabs which rummage about for fruits, nuts, seeds, pith, and carrion. Pretty much whatever they can get their claws on. The range covers most of coastal southern Africa also. Hmm. And perhaps could extend up into Mozambique to Lake Malawi because that lake isn't so very far from the coast in the grand scheme of things. They're pretty monstrous in their own right, and if we're suddenly seen munching on a dead animal, could easily inspire, I think, thoughts of having seen a giant spider chewing on a recent kill. Totally. And they, I mean, they are some pretty serious crabs. Like they, they can fuck up a coconut. Also, as we all know, crabs are named for the things that they're able to fuck up. Yes. So hermit crabs are um, <laughs> really, really brutal to the homeless, and... Uh, fiddler crabs are really not allowed Which is, near orchestras. A, a hermit is naturally a homeless person. <laughs> I guess. That's not, yeah, that's not really <laughs> accurate. Okay, never mind. The no, you're right. It's right. perfect. <laughs> um, go on. Uh, fiddler crabs. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway. Exactly. But coconuts also have a husk on the outside when they first um, actually fall off the tree, which is also a huge pain in the ass to get through Mm -hmm. and they can just rip it all apart and get to the inside of the coconut that's sweet sweet coconut meat (laughs) yep that's audio taken from (laughs) a coconut crab uh anyway so that still upsettingly large and very real spiders are out there Mm -hmm. and i'll tell you about two of them does one of them eat birds wyatt maybe oh the first is the giant huntsman ah heteropoda maxima uh, for instance, is the this is the winner for leg span to body size ratio. Their bodies get to a still impressive 1.6 inches long, hmm. but their legs can span up to a foot. Wow! Um, true to huntsman in spiders, diameter, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> to be clear. <laughs> um, in just overall girth. Mm. Uh, true to huntsman spiders, they are also extremely fast. So basically more than enough justification to burn one's entire house to the ground <laughs> yep. to protect oneself i made um, the terrible mistake i may have told this story in the show before i don't know but in costa rica um seeing a really cool spider in the bathroom of the uh, one of the research stations we were staying in yeah. in the lowland rainforest and i didn't have my camera on me i wanted to take a picture it was also too dark anyway and i just wanted to show the rest of my group the spider so I had it in my head that I would do like I would do here and like, I'll pick up the spider and bring it with oh, me God, there. Oh, God, Jake. And I was like, well, maybe I can like, like, if I had like a piece of paper or something to put it on, it'd be one thing like, oh, I'll just carry on that instead of in my hand. That thing get to skittering so hard. It skittered so hard. So like I took a step towards like, oh, maybe I'll pick this up. And like thinking I'd try and put it into my little camera bag or something. Did your bones explode stay. out of your skin? No, I just, uh, it took a few steps of its own so fast. I realized that were I to put my hand down there and let it crawl onto me, by the time my brain registered that it was on my hand, it would already be on my shoulder. Yeah, and so then like, down into your pants to bite your dick. <laughs> yep. Like they do and have. Uh, but No. Uh, no. <laughs> but, no, it's uh, be like, tell that story immediately. <laughs> no, the, um, I, I don't know if I've had any spider bites before, but I, I quickly decided not to uh, to complete the transaction <laughs> and let it just kind of the interspecies exchange. <laughs> <laughs> And so instead just said, hey, guys, it's a cool spider in the bathroom if you want to see it. Which I'm sure all of them said no. Well, Fuck it's a, that. It's a biology tour. Like, we're all there for... I'm just imagining... Well, the reason I reacted so strongly is when I was a kid, I had no fear. But then there was one day I was on the can, huh? 
doing like one does. Mm. And what should happen? But a reasonably large house spider like webbed its way down in front of my face real Ooh. slow. I'm pantomiming with most, my hand. Yes, you are. <laughs> um, and it was like right there. And it took a second for my brain to register what it saw. But it like activated all the primal protection. <laughs> You're about to be bitten by a venomous spider stuff. <laughs> you pooped so then. hard. <laughs> you just flew away. <laughs> safety and i've been flying ever since exactly <laughs> yes i i was not pleased and ever Understandable. Since, i've been freaked out a little bit not like i wouldn't call myself an arachnophobe but i am displeased by surprise spiders let's put it that way no, that makes sense um where the hell was i <laughs> sorry <laughs> oh yes here we go so anyway super fast, <clears throat> super fast and big again legs that stretch out to a foot wide <laughs> in span yes um is upsetting but for mass and just overall bigness the goliath as jake mentioned bird eating spider mm-hmm. therifosa blondi which is kind of a cute name it is it's in the top position so essentially it's a mega-sized tarantula they can weigh up to 175 grams which is uh, 6.2 ounces or almost half a pound of spider, mm. which is just so fucking much spider. It's a lot of spider. Um, despite their name, they actually only rarely eat birds, uh, as they are much better at catching ground-dwelling insects or small vertebrates, though it's they like, can fly. Just the one time, guys. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Never let me live that down. They're called the Goliath one-time bird-eating spider. <laughs> it was um, on a dare in college. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Uh, believe it or not, the largest known organisms to be considered proper spiders to have ever existed are actually those living today. Oh, wow. I looked I looked around because I was like, I wonder, maybe something back, back in time mm. would have been larger. Their ancient relatives did get larger, of course, but they were more sort of like strange cousins of what we might consider horseshoe crabs. Okay. They looked a little more like that. Huh. And they were also aquatic, which contributes to their this, big... Yeah bigosity <laughs> anyway besides no spider will ever creep me out as much as their cousins the solifugae or solifugae solifugae what are those they are a group of organisms that i can only describe as yuck oh god and <laughs> top five of the top 100 reasons to not be a small critter okay uh commonly referred to as camel spiders oh. wind scorpions or sun spiders though they are not technically spiders gotcha they're something like out of a horror novel for me. Uh, it's somewhere between spider and scorpion as far as arachnids go, right? I don't know. It would be kind of more than, I don't know, they're bad. One could want that to be the case, but <laughs> they're they're their own kind of abomination. Um, their body plan resembles those of spiders, but they're a little more elongated. Um, they don't spin webs and lack spinnerets. Hmm. Uh, they also don't have fangs for envenomation, but instead have massive uh, Molars instead. Yeah. They got some chompers, let's say. <laughs> they have what they call uh, chelicerae or chelicerae? I don't know. Fuck, man. I don't know. <laughs> are we even biologists? What are we even doing here? <laughs> let's go home. Wait, I am home. This is the get mis- out of my house. This is, get out of my house. You go home. <laughs> Think about your life. Basically, they have large crab-like mouth parts. Okay. Um, crab-like. Crab-claw-like, I should say. Their mouths look like entire crabs, is what you mean by crab-like, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Here's, here's a close-up of a face from the side. Oh, wow. I didn't realize they were that awful. Yeah, they really do have mouths that look like kind of, uh, crab-claws. Right? Weird. Huh. There's two of them. Their eyes can... are way behind that, huh? They're way up there, and they're actually complex eyes. They're, they're, 
they were described as the perfect fusion of a compound and rudimentary eye. Okay. Somehow. Because, yeah, spiders didn't have just, like, a handful of simpler eyes. Right. Look at that fucking face. There we go. Okay. Makes me want to cry and kill myself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so they're horrifying looking. Their their jaws can move independent of one another. There's two mouth parts. That makes sense. And they use those to just chop things apart. Mm. Um, We will post... Uh, links with very very clearly labeled links so you know whether or not it's something you want to click on. Yeah, right, for anyone who is very spider sensitive. Um, further, they can use these uh, chelicerae to uh, stridulate, which is disgusting as well. To Basically, make sounds? To make sounds. So stridulation is the fancy term for make, like vibrato or... Chirping. Chirping, basically. Yeah, it's what crickets, crickets do. do. They rub their legs together and basically the... Mm-hmm. I'm struggling to think of a term. Stridulate. <laughs> <laughs> um, something. I have no idea. Ah, there's like an instrument that I'm thinking of that I can't. It's like a f- like a friggin' frog. It's like a wooden frog. You shape a stick <laughs> on. Sometimes it's a fish shape, but yes, yes, that is basically what I'm thinking of. Though <laughs> I don't know. You know the frog with the ridged back that's made out of wood. Then you can <laughs> draw a stick across the back of it. Yeah. Um, that's exactly what crickets do (laughs) their legs their legs are basically wooden frogs that they can use to jump around Um, that's how they jump so good exactly this show is falling apart oh god so anyway they can use their gross mouth parts to do this which is horrifying and the front two so they look like they have ten legs spiders of course have eight Mm -hmm. as do uh, sulfugids but the front two, which look like legs, are actually highly modified pedipalps. Okay. So the spiders have those two little doodads, but in front of their face, that they kind of help helps them eat stuff. Or helps whatever. them eat stuff. Helps them if they're male uh, reproduce. Fuck stuff. Helps them fucking eat stuff. <laughs> but in uh, solifugids, they these two uh, pedipalps are kind of like antennae. So they can detect, um, I believe, chemical and vibratory cues in their environment. And they have, perhaps most upsettingly, little deployable suction cups on the ends, which allow them to uh, climb up smooth surfaces and capture prey. So it sticks to you and pulls pulls you into their gross jaws. Uh, anyway, so as you said, very good not to be a small animal. (laughs) Yes. So they're, they're essentially one of the things that if, I were to discover one sitting on my chest as I was just waking up, I would protect myself by immediately dying the end. <laughs> well, very good. So the thesis here then is that uh, there may not be giant monster spiders in Africa, but there are plenty of other there spiders are plenty that of are gross bad enough. things out there. Yeah. 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 There's plenty else to worry about. We don't need to add giant spiders to the mix. Exactly. And uh, God, there's got to be another word for that particular action of scraping something across a thing. Let me look it up. One sec. Rattling. Wooden frog. Wooden frog. <laughs> if wooden frog instrument. Yeah, a name for the instrument other than just wooden frog or just frog. Mm. Or friggin' frog. It could be friggin' frog. Deluxe medium four inch wood frog gyro rasp. Rasping. Rasping. Ah. Uh, uh, I feel so much better now. I'm glad we did that. took the time to do that because... <laughs> We would have uh, never slept again. I will now go to thesaurus.com and under <laughs> synonyms type in rasp. Abraid. Bray. Oh. Excoriate. Oh. It's a little too a little, a little emotionally charged. <laughs> Great file. That's reasonable. Uh-huh. Rub. 
<laughs> this whole time. Scratch, scrape, of course, scour, vex. Hmm. Huh. Getting a little bit more uh, figurative. Poetic, yeah. yes. Irk. Mm. Jar. Mm. Antonyms to rasp. Soothe, please, delight, assist, help, and aid. Uh-huh. Interesting. Never knew that rasp also meant chafe. We learned some things today. Hopefully the listeners did too. Ostensibly part of the show's <laughs> MO. <laughs> yes. Occasionally filled. And with so, that. Yeah. Very cool. Jake, why do you have so many tears on your face? I'm sad because I don't know what to say. Sad because you don't know what to say. And there's not a line written for me in the copy, and I'm sad. Oh. Well, do you know what else has so many tears? No, what? The good kind, I mean. <laughs> God. Oh, you must be talking about our Patreon. You are right, sir. Oh, I feel happy again. Good. For listeners who aren't familiar, Patreon is an online tool that allows independent creators to receive support directly from their audience at whatever tier or level of support works for them. You can jump in at $5 or more, or can slide just enough digital change out of your metaphysical pocket to ante up a single dollar each month. Better yet, depending on your level of support, you can expect to regularly receive very cool rewards, such as extra mini-episodes, outtakes, even sweet, sweet merch. Ooh, merch. There's a lot we'd love to do with the show, but we'll need your help, noble listener, to get there. If you've enjoyed the more than 60 independently produced episodes of Super Duper Stitious, please... Show your support by heading over to patreon.com slash superduperstitious, where you can check out perks and sign up at a tier that works for you. It's secure, fun, and you'll be helping support the show. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your support. And, and thanks. thanks. It was a very fun foray into some arachnid uh, good times there, Senor Shell. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Oh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think it's here's the problem. Two weeks in a row now we've recorded on days that have just been the most dreary, rainy, nonsense days. So our energy is just all over the place. Last yeah. week we were just like low energy. Now we're just like weird energy. We're just weird energy. It's true. And you know what? We're just gonna go with it because fuck you, listeners. Fuck you. <laughs> you know what? Where do you get off? I've got yeah. I've got three questions for you. What gives you the right? Where do you get off, and who do you think you are? <laughs> if you can answer those for me, I'm gonna talk about some stuff now. <laughs> uh, let me try a different just a yeah, point please, to, I don't know. please do. Uh, for the love <laughs> of God, <laughs> who? Um, yeah, it's funny. Well, it was a fun, a fun little trip into Arachnid Adventures. There, Wyatt. Uh, I have no some call fun. bug stuff too. So the the two options I gave for you for themes were either weird bugs or at gunpoint or at gunpoint were um weird bugs or uh like 90s paranormal fads yes i didn't know how many more that's why i went for weird bugs (laughs) (laughs) there was some other strange stuff that was popular in the 90s i mean i I may feel like a lot of it was chupacabra stuff and ufos and bigfoot yeah probably and the matrix in the matrix (laughs) that was the very end of the 90s though was it Yes. Uh, so Oh, you're right. <laughs> I've adapted a lot of my content today from Daniel Tarr's website, tardaniel.com. To I don't ours. know if he wants to keep that. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Um, from what I can tell, this is the timeline of events that kicked everything off. So on March 5th, 1994, 
Jose Escamilla accidentally recorded something odd. He was shooting video of some supposed UFO activity in the skies over his hometown of Midway, New Mexico. Which I guess is kind of near Roswell, some people claim, so whatever. He was like, oh yeah, UFO. So he was doing that. Oh yeah, UFO. Uh, if I'm understanding the listed dates correctly from multiple websites, it wasn't until two weeks later on March 19th that Escamilla noticed the anomaly. Uh, there in the sky all around him, just zooming hither and thither, were, the weird were they also zooming on? I think so. Okay. I, I, I've been actually, I couldn't actually find the original video specifically reporting I remember these, seeing this on TV. This yeah, this stuff, but I don't know about that specific video. I couldn't find... But something uh, about Rob... Ra- 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 Ghul? No, mm-hmm. what? <laughs> these weird, long, thin, <laughs> flying things, and they seemed to be alive. But strangely enough, he never saw them just with the naked eye. They only showed up on the video after the fact. Uh, Escamilla was fascinated and started looking into the phenomenon. He shot more footage. He re- um, reviewed other video sources. And sure enough, these flying thingies were everywhere. It was a mystery. He simply called them rods. <sighs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Just furiously wanted to get the word out since the beginning. It of was the two times I'm like, ra, ra, no. <laughs> Don't not, say it. Not that it matters if it's like it's not spoiling anything anyway. It's uh, <laughs> spoiling something that me? happened in nineteen ninety four. Figure out that these are rods ahead of time. They'll switch this shit off so fast. <laughs> Everyone knows this story. Yes, I want to talk about rods because they were a huge deal among both the ufology and cryptozoology community for a good while, from like the mid nineties uh, until around two thousand five or two thousand eight for me. More on that later. I know how you refer to it. You're always three years ahead of whoever. <laughs> behind in this case. Really? Oh, yeah, I guess yeah. so. Because later. They're also called Flying Rods, Skyfish, <laughs> and Solar Entities, among other names. Uh, they seem to come out of nowhere and yet suddenly be everywhere. And the type of folks who were into that kind of shit were all over it. Um, and leading the charge was Escamilla all the way, baby. Uh, probably the most famous and most cited example of rods is this video from 1996 of base jumpers in the Cave of Swallows in Mexico. Was this Escamilla of the uh, Question family? <laughs> I think maybe yes. <clears throat> so here, let me get the... Uh, I think I saw this video. If I remember correctly, I think this video has really silly music to accompany it. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> Mexico, 1996. It's a shot of people like climbing around on rocks and stuff. It's just like outside. a standard kind of uh, vacation-y looking thing going on. Um, Sotano de las Conotrias. Cave of the Swallows. Aerial Extreme. <laughs> we are... Nope. I guess we're done with that shot. So this group based on this video, Strange and Bizarre Flying Creatures. That is such a 90s hot box right there. <laughs> Alright, so here goes the guy jumping, and then we'll see the first rod. With a great sound effect. <laughs> oh my god. Awesome. There it goes again. Slower motion. Meow. Um, there'll be a couple other instances of them too, I think, in here, but. This is the music was... you play when, like, the earth is being attacked. Yes. So it's just. Okay, so we have several so, minutes per frame. Let's jump at, there's more of them. I want to see the other instances of the fucking. So, show. rods, yeah, what we're seeing are these little. They just. They're, oh, look at it go. That's fast. Anyway, enough of that fucking video. They look like a little tiny pencil with 
sort of wings on the side I yeah suppose. so like there that's yeah that base wrapping video was was the main like first example like oh look at these things and there was right there's a lot more i can uh, we'll link to some of the still images from that video showing a lot better examples than we just saw so they appear to have a long very thin body kind of like a tube or or perhaps a rod or an arachnid uh, <laughs> yep um they range anywhere from a few inches to a few feet in length Ooh. And they have some kind of like undulating membrane running down each side, which they use to fly. It's just like flying the, DNA. Exactly. It's just corkscrewing <laughs> through the air. Uh, so this distinct physical appearance aside, the really interesting feature about them is not just how weird they look, but the fact that no one could really see rods just with their own eyes. They only show up afterward, mostly in videos, but sometimes in photos too. Uh, as Daniel Tarr puts it, quote, believers in rods claim them to be unknown creatures. Rods on camera appear to be able to behave and move on their own. It's proposed that they have a thin membrane um, across their axis, which is used for propulsion through the air in a manner, manner similar to the way cuttlefish uses its fins. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of effort from believers to push the notion that rods are living creatures and not tricks of the light or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, this is hard to argue after seeing a lot of the clips. Like they move around in a way it just looks like, okay, it's alive, cool. The rods very much just interact with objects in their environment as though they are really there in the shot with the mm-hmm. other subjects of the shot and not just showing up in the film later or just being inanimate objects or something like that. Quote, the rods appear to fly over at extremely high velocities and show some type of intelligence mm-hmm. as they will often dodge things that they would otherwise collide with. They could only be described as blurs crossing the sky almost too quickly to be seen. That's a really accurate description. Yeah. So the reason <laughs> folks found this particular fact so interesting is because of the unique position of rods at the intersection of cryptozoology and ufology mm-hmm. so whereas a cryptozoologist reviewing video evidence of a supposed monster wouldn't specifically point out the creatures being apparently corporeal as the most noteworthy aspect of the video in question <laughs> uh, people discussing rods were not altogether convinced that the things existed fully in our plane mm-hmm. After all, what other explanation in the entire world and universe could possibly account for them being invisible to the naked eye, Mm -hmm. but extremely visible on camera? Mm -hmm. They must just be phasing in and out of a different dimension, Wyatt. Mm -hmm. Nope, that's, yes, it's it's true. Uh, So they can perceive us and dodge obstacles in our world, but aren't visible to us directly. Mm -hmm. Let's not read anything at all into Tar's own description of rods as, quote, blurs crossing the sky (laughs) almost too quickly to be seen. Mm -hmm. Uh, He goes on to say, quote, such instances could be dismissed as bugs flying past or aberrations in one's vision or any number of possible optical distortions that could occur. Why would we ever fucking do that? I don't know. Skeptics claim that rods are nothing more than bugs or birds flying very close to the lens of the camera taking the picture. Idiots. And that may well be true in some cases, but what Jose filmed that day at the cave and a lot of others have filmed all over the earth, (laughs) there could be something more. Why give such a specific example and say, and what so many others have filmed everywhere else. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I know what um, he's doing. Uh, so I very badly need to say it for the record that most skeptics do not claim this specifically as the explanation for Roz. That was just something flying close to the lens, and that's why it's that's not what they're saying. I'll get into it more later, but with believers in Roz, there seems to be almost a willful insistence on misunderstanding mm-hmm. the explanations of experts. Mm-hmm. So anyway, with that, I'd like to take us all the way down the rabbit hole. Oh, boy. I um, like this. Again from Daniel Tarr's website, quote, Biologist Ken Swartz has been investigating the rods phenomenon since 1998 and says, Rods appear to be biological, but without a physical specimen, it's difficult to say anything conclusively. They seem to be amphibious, as they have been seen entering and leaving water. Perhaps they are born in the sea and emerge in the air? 
So speculating from the eyewitness testimony of people who have seen them, Swartz maintained that they appear to have some similarities to the family of creatures known as cephalopods, such as squids. Oh my God. He says, there have been descriptions of them expanding like a balloon and rapidly deflating, so they could be using a mechanism similar to a squid which sucks in water and jets it out for propulsion. This guy is going in. <laughs> really, oh really God. in. So it's like, I, yeah, it's like a squid, but I guess in the air. All this based on fast blurs mm, of video mm-hmm. and people just saying, oh, I saw it do this thing one time. Allow me to speculate as wildly as possible. Yes. If rods are biological entities, why has no one so far found the body of a dead rod? <laughs> if they're flying around us all the time, as it's commonly believed, then how is it possible that not a single body has been discovered on the ground? Let's go to a different dimension. Exactly. Uh, Swartz explains that if the rods are indeed similar to a squid, they will not have any hard body parts and so it decomposed without a trace. Mm-hmm. Swartz points out that, quote, if you, this is all quote within a quote, if you look at the fossil record, there's only one creature that ever lived that had the um, the rod model of locomotion. And this was the- The domin- rodle, if you will. The rodle. <laughs> this was the dominant predator of the time called Anomalocaris, which lived in the sea during the Cambrian ex- no, evolutionary expansion not. 400 million years ago. According to Swartz, the creature propelled itself by a row of plates or fins that vibrated in a similar manner to the membrane seen on rods. But it was not a rod shape at all. Not really. Um, Is this the guy with the two, like, Yeah, yeah, it is. I'll, I'll bring up a picture to you. <laughs> you know um, what I'm talking about. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I, uh, listeners can't see what Wyatt just did with his hands, but when you see the animation <laughs> that I'm going to link to, you'll know exactly what's going on. <laughs> the sound, just imagine the sound, play the sound in your head over the animation, and it'll make sense. Or just get a really clean take. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll try and edit that together. I'll just post it. It is possible that Anomalocaris is the evolutionary ancestor of rods. Yeah. So as a reminder, uh, here is Anomalocaris. I'll never forget that face. Yeah, it's got big bug eyes. That is the, not a... F- mm-hmm. Oh, I see. the Look the at this. The undulating kind of thing is... Oh, my God. He went to work on this. Look well, at this, this fucking him. page. This, is, this is just like a, an animation. Someone went to town, though. This but is, they're clearly trying to draw... Parallels to... Oh, my yeah. God. Which is silly. Uh, Correlation, guys, does yes. not equal. So to recap, the argument here. Go on. We have never found traces of dead rods because they don't have hard parts. They only have rod. Yes. Roddies. So, you know, just like when, say, worms die. Hard, hard roddies. Hard. God, God. When worms die, they immediately decompose and you never see any trace of dead ones. <laughs> Anything that has no hard parts to it is just gone <laughs> instantly. Uh, and the rest of the argument is that. I don't know, it looks like this one thing, so maybe it just is that thing, but flying? Both of these are equally good. Yes. Now, sometimes TV shows and the like, when you know, covering paranormal and otherwise strange shit like this, will talk to an expert witness of some kind mm-hmm. uh, to get their opinion on something, and will mm-hmm. ask these people, who are often real scientists, mm-hmm. to speculate wildly um, <laughs> about the loosest possible explanation for a thing, yeah. and then they quote that person and use their it's their so scientific clout to make it sound more official. Yeah, you can tell off camera they've just been like, well, you know, just suspend, you know, just like, what if? Just go what if if you can for just a minute, and they're like, yeah. okay, fine. Blah, 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 blah. And then you just use that yeah. one little quote. So I wanted to give this Ken Swartz guy the benefit of the doubt and look up his actual work to demonstrate that he had received exactly this treatment. Oh, boy. I was incorrect. Yep. I had a feeling. <laughs> so uh, let me just go ahead and navigate let over to Ken Swartz's page. Yeah, I can't tell for certain if I found the correct Ken Swartz, but the top several results when I tried a variety of searches for him all turn up the snake oil website, c60purplepower.com. What? Did with, you search Ken Swartz Rod? <laughs> I actually did. I tried Ken Swartz Rod, Ken Swartz Biologist, Ken Swartz Scientist, 
and with the rod one, I just came come up with the exact same quote from they got from this website on like just plagiarized on every possible website talking about this phenomenon. Um, I couldn't find like a faculty page at any university or anything. Naturally, um, the only scientist I found was the guy I'm going to link to here. C60PurplePower.com. This is what they say about their founder. Oh my God. Ken Swartz, aka Ken the Scientist, received his his Master's of Science degree from the University of Colorado in Denver. During his research, he became aware of the powerful free radical neutralizing properties of C60. He first began using C60 as a radiation protectant while participating in a fusion of carbon. It's just like a buckyball kind of thing. It's just like it's a 60 carbon molecule, like 60 carbons arranged into a geodesic kind of sphere shape. And then they just dissolve it into, not dissolve it, but they just like mix it into different vegetable oils and you just like consume it and it's supposed to do all kinds of good things for you. So C60 improved his health so much he continued taking C60. In a subsequent visit to his optometrist, his dry macular degeneration had been vastly reduced. Due to his healing experience, he learned to make C60 solutions for friends, family, and himself. As people shared their healing experience, the uh, demand for his project uh, products grew, and this eventually led to the C60 Purple Power Company. Why do they call it the Purple Power Company? Not a damn clue, but uh, unless it just, I don't know if enough C60 happens to end up looking purple. You know how graphite can kind of look purple-ish when you have like a lot of it at once? Can we check out his shop real quick? Oh, sure. Yeah, let's see what we can what buy. What are the frequently asked questions? Wait, let me see that first. Frequently asked questions. What the fuck are you selling me? <laughs> yes. Uh, well, yeah, what is in C60 Purple Power? Uh, our product consists of only two things. A non-GMO cold-pressed high-quality vegetable oil, avocado or coconut, oh, why? and 99.95% pure uncut Colombian C60. <laughs> yeah, pure C60. C60 concentration is either oil um, in either oil is 0.9 milligrams per milliliter. Mm, go scroll down. Let's see if they've been reviewed by the FDA. There's almost no way they've been. Have not, there you go. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and there Drug Administration. There it is. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Mm-hmm. Go figure, so, man. Yeah. It's just, yeah, some... Can you see the shop now? Yes. <laughs> the and then the experiences. <laughs> the rest of the website. Yeah, pretty much. Um, oh, yeah. So it's just bottles of vegetable oil with C60. The labels aren't it. terrible, actually. But they're not good either. Well, yeah, you feel like you're being sold radioactive snake oil, basically. <laughs> Live Q&A. Oh, well, that's got to be the one to go with. Let's check this out for just a minute. Maybe we keep this in or we use it as part of the uh, mini app. (laughs) We'll see. Welcome to the C60 show. We're glad you're here. I'm Ken the Scientist, (laughs) uh, Ken Swartz, and I'm the uh, founder of C60 Purple Power. And uh, we're kind of here today to give you the answers to the questions you have and bring you the science of C60 and the different applications that you can use it in your own health. So if you haven't uh, put, posted a question or submitted a question to our email, you can do so in the comments, and we will try to answer that live. But I feel like I'm forgetting something, Ken. Oh, yes. I think oh, I forgot to take my C60 today. Jesus Christ. Well, you heard it. You heard it here first. That sounded really natural yep. and really good. <laughs> yeah, that was... You pretty much get the whole... <laughs> yep. The whole thing collapses in on itself. <laughs> so, anyway. Has, so, Ken, if this is the same Ken Swartz, which it seems like, I have no reason to believe it isn't. Um, the scientist. He, he has a master's of science in, doesn't say what. In science. And he, yeah, so he is <laughs> Ken. So, anyway, my conclusion here is that I want you to start calling me Jake the scientist for that same reason. All right, all right. Forget that it's the zoology. It's just, <laughs> I somehow cram it. just totally screws up the whole <laughs> geometry of it. Collapses into just basically the C-singularity. charcoal. <laughs> yeah, C-singularity. 
Uh, back to rods. Uh, here's a video for possible underwater rods, Wyatt. Oh, boy. I hope it's just Rod Stewart swimming. <laughs> uh, now I wish it were. Uh, God, these rods are loud. The underwater footage. What is with these fucking dramatic videos of rods? One of my favorite rod shots, of course, is of the rods entering the ocean. Oh, and boy. again, showing the uniqueness of the phenomenon. This is from Os uh, Jose Escamilla's no um, YouTube. Know, this is this guy, huh? This isn't Jose, though. I don't know who oh. this guy is. Aquatic insects, uh, their life cycles with fresh water. What? And also, this is the That's deep a turtle, bro. Near the see, but not, it's not the sea. turtle. It's, it's I right. know. And, uh, <laughs> I see it. In this shot, we have a loggerhead sea turtle, a juvenile that's swimming about four feet below the surface of the water, and the cameraman is below him. And, the cameraman. And looking upwards. You can see a rod coming that's in, and it's coming like this outside of the water. And you see it hit the water, leaves a bubble trail, and enters it in, and there's about three or four of them that just zip by. Super high res they're video. Going, they're going just as <laughs> fast guys are bored. as rods do in the sky. <laughs> And in rapid what? succession, we see the surface of the water break with these splashes and these pencil-thin bubble trails zipping through the water. It looks almost like bullets hitting the water. Uh, and then so it's probably anything. <laughs> what the hell? I'm guessing it could be a bird or a f like a fish that had... I mean, it, it plunges straight down. I think it's a bird or... I love the revelatory music, though. Yeah. That they had oh, yeah. Nah, yeah. Nah, nah. So a commenter, Teddy Teosanto, says, quote, they are passing through. End of comment. Next comment. Our world, and they probably don't even know we're <laughs> our world, and they probably don't even know we're here. And they are at a frequency that vibrate beyond that we know about, that we know about life life. So there you have it. Could have said it better myself. And finally to round it out, here's one more video clip, this time from Rod Discoverer Jose Escamilla himself, uh, just for one last kind of sense of, of what the deal is with... Mm rod observations stuff like that and a clear day like this you can actually hide the sun from your eyes and look out there and you will see I think rods you hid your eyes from the sun my friend uh right now there's a little bit of debris in the air cottonwood things of this nature but uh, i've seen already, already seen there went one i just i've been seeing a couple of rods yeah, saw one, huh? already we're getting footage from all over the place i mean there's thousands of these things all over the world and they're appearing more frequency i don't know why oh boy they're making themselves known but i think it's because we can see them now as opposed to 10 years ago if you would have told me there was something 10 years ago that was flying around looked like a snake i thought you're nuts you know <laughs> oh i just saw one right there pointing with both we've eliminated hands. insects we've eliminated lens flares we eliminated the planet venus we've eliminated anything else we think it's an old old prehistoric creature that's just managed well, to it's not prehistoric survive among it's us contemporary just it just didn't before. change or evolve that much yeah so uh <laughs> that's um straight from the horse's mouth himself the jose's mouth if you the will. Ho yes so we're getting hosed yes so anyway he died uh last year <laughs> but his quest to understand the truth about rods died in 2005 yep. um he said that but i don't think he or many others ever really stopped believing that there were mysterious flying <laughs> sticks out there <laughs> but i'm referring instead to a Chinese documentary investigating Roz in 2005, uh, which pretty handily settled it all. It appeared on China Central Television, which is abbreviated as CCTV. So That's hilarious. The Closed caption TV. TV. Yep. Do you Closed have... caption. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. The, it's the third uh, CCTV. Do you have uh, footage from this documentary? I do not, but I have some other footage later. Don't worry. Um, uh, but Google Translate offers this as the first paragraph of the narration of part of it. Rods are um, bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the mysterious object is shocked over the pharmaceutical factory, causing people to guess, is the airborne dragon? Or is it a mysterious visit to an alien spaceship? 
<laughs> Will a UFO that is shaped like a stick and a high-speed flight be an alternative UFO flying stick? In today's show, <laughs> we will set aside a layer of fog to dispel the flying sticks over the pharmaceutical factory. So I really very, like that. Very useful software translation. Nailed it, Google. Yep. Uh, what the documentary team found was something that I truly can't believe nobody looked into sooner. Mm-hmm. Uh, rods only appear on camera and not to the naked eye because they are a camera artifact. Go figure. Um, this is also why they suddenly seemed to appear in the mid-90s. It was around the same time as commu- uh, commercially available camcorders were becoming increasingly popular Allowing random Joe Schmoes to shoot video, kind of like I do now. <laughs> but with you know, the technology at the time, the video quality wasn't excellent. And there are mm-hmm. a couple of specific things. I'll get into more detail about how it works exactly. But um, based on a combination of parameters like shutter speed and frame mm-hmm. rate, mm-hmm. stuff that you shoot on video will not look exactly like it does through your eyes. So it can then cause distortions to happen of things that are moving really fast mm-hmm. and kind of drag out kind of like a lower exposure, sort of like a not lower exposure, lower uh, or longer exposure longer, photos and stuff, yeah. it can it can end up looking just Smearder, dragged out and stuff. Right. Yeah, we'll see a little bit more that broken down in more detail in a moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll let Google Translate conclude the documentary for us. Mm-hmm. You see, I have a flapping wing in my hand. Now let's adjust the shutter of the camera to to a slow shutter to see the performance of this aircraft. How about it? It's also <laughs> a flying stick. So if you accidentally shoot a flying stick, first look at the camera, or the camera shutter is normal. So this may surprise you, but I did not see that documentary in 2005. I didn't have access to CCTV, uh, <laughs> nor do I speak Mandarin. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead, the solution came finally to me in 2008 on the History Channel show Monster Quest. Mm. So the first thing I offer the explanation is interlacing, hmm. which is a way of kind of doubling the apparent frame rate of video without actually increasing the file size by stitching together slightly offset frames. It's kind of like that. So it's... If you have like a 30 frame per second shooting speed, um, you can then kind of do it sort of exposes two different things slightly offset from each other and then layers them together in such a way as that it it makes it look like mm. it's a higher like it looks instead like it's 60 frames per second. Mm-hmm. A oversimplification of how it works. Mm-hmm. But the result being that you could have a bug say flying really fast mm-hmm. and being in two different places at once, seemingly on the video or you know multiples of two anyway. Um, just being because of the two different places where it was being stitched together at the same time. Uh, but Escamilla pointed out that this was total bullshit because it meant that every image of a rod must therefore show wings in multiples of two, <laughs> which isn't always the case. Um, but as they went on to demonstrate, frame rate, shutter speed, and all that fun stuff probably does have an effect. Mm-hmm. Let's roll the clip. So basically, like, the wings will reflect different amounts of light depending on the flap pattern and all the rest of it. It's, you know, you're seeing a thing happening in real life, so who knows what number of variables can affect what right. it looks like. Right. So here's a little clip of that. Interesting that Monster Quest would blow and the lid off of this expert shit. has caught a rod simultaneously on both a high speed and standard speed camera. As a crew member stirs the surrounding rods photos, test. rods appear first as just a streak but when moving closer to the camera and the light source, the image takes on a more rod-like Ooh, form. Look at that. Very crystal clear rod. The high-speed camera has been rolling as well at 1,000 frames per second compared to the 30 frames per second camera. It's a moth. The source is revealed. A moth. Just flapping along. By having the split-second clock readout in both camera views, you can match the exact object in both cameras. We did capture a few images that were very telling, uh, images that appeared to be rods, but when we 
looked at them more closely with the high-speed video, determined they were nothing Chad. more than a bug flying through our field of view. <laughs> cool guy. So yeah, it's just it's just bugs, guys. It's just bugs. Turns out. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's funny because like they started out in the investigation, they're like, oh, we're gonna look at where you know where rods are. Like, oh, they seem to show up more often in tropical places, like you know that cave in Mexico. It's like, oh, why are there more rods there? Like, just just more bugs there. <laughs> they found like you know in their first shooting at nighttime, they didn't see any rods. And then when they started stirring up, like just kind of shaking the bushes, suddenly there were rods everywhere. Like, we weren't <laughs> seeing the rods ourselves. Like, where were they? And then shooting separately with a high speed, first with like a, um, a normal camera, then with a high speed camera. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, we see all these rods. When we look at the high speed camera, instead we just we don't see anything. We just see some bugs, but no rods. Mm-hmm. So then they did the side by side at the exact same time. It's like, yeah, the That's bugs the are the rods. Great experiment. Yeah, yeah. So it was, yeah, pretty solved. Escamilla was going on a little like, why and like say those cave videos and stuff why do you still see um birds and bugs and rods all at the same time in the mm-hmm. same frame it's like well you know some of them are moving really fast closer to the frame others are far away so they aren't exactly. blurring so it's like yeah it just it depends on certain circumstances and just the right combination of things come together and you get rods and they're not always bugs it can be birds too hmm. it can be anything flying fast enough with a low enough shutter speed to frame rate kind of ratio mm-hmm. Interlacing can have an effect as well. And yeah. But uh, the last thing I want to tell you about this is that after seeing how infuriatingly insistent a lot of global people still are about this, I'm going to just very clearly say rods are not a thing. Yeah. <laughs> as much as I was very excited by the idea of like, oh, if there's some kind of weird creature we haven't learned of before, that'd be really neat. Like, what could it be? But it's not real. And it's very important to me, dear listener, that you understand <laughs> rods are not real. They're just bugs. <laughs> They're just bugs. So that was uh, it was just a neat kind of like with the chupacabra for me, but back in episode one, it was some kind of fun fad paranormal investigation thing mm-hmm. going on in the nineties mm-hmm. that I got super into that turned out to not actually be the thing I thought it was. I also recall being very into the rod phenomenon mm. when I was younger, and remember, I think even seeing that Monster Quest app, yeah, it was really it cool. Since, but I was like. I remember feeling so disappointed, but also like, well, that makes sense. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was like, oh man. But at the same time, I was like, well, it was, I mean, the way it was presented was a satisfying, scientifically satisfying results. So it's like, all right. It's fun, too, to have a show like that finally get one. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> do it right and not be like, oh, it's something still out there. We oh. don't fucking know. Yeah, so. Um, so there you go. There there's you some, have it. There's some friggin' bugs. Some weird arthropod shit. <laughs> Or flying squid, whatever you want. Yeah, really. But yeah, thank you guys very much. We'll be back next week with some other topic that we don't yet know. We're glad you still need us and will feed us when our podcast is 64. And, um, bye. Bye. He is our hero. Spider. Get rid of. Spider. Step on Spider. Spider. We love you, Spider. Oh.